Hello and welcome to my first ever podcast in a series of me giving lectures on uh, the history of the First World War at sea, 1914 to, should be 18, but I might roll on into the Russian Civil War, so 1919, maybe 1920, especially if I uh, look at the Spanish flu outbreak on HMS Africa. Um, with the First World War, common here, common um, is, uh, popular memory is that the First World War is mostly fought in France, in the trenches, by the army, with small spatterings of the RFC having dogfights, Red Baron, etc., Jamie um, McCudden, if you're from uh, Medway like me. And, um, of course, when it comes to the uh, war at sea, the Royal Navy and the German Navy only ever clashed once at the Battle of Jutland. This, of course, isn't true, and um, I'm hoping that over the next few weeks, months, uh, see how this goes, <laughs> um, I'll be talking about how uh, the war at sea was a much bigger affair and highlighting individual stories of um, heroism, um, or cowardice, or um, intrigue, and how it, it affected the war as a, as a greater scheme. Um, for example, uh, in my first series, I will be uh, looking at the first uh, year of the war, 1914 to 1915, with the avoiding the North Sea and the big big players, and looking at the external squadrons, uh, Admiral von Spee's China squadron, uh, Austasian squadron, Admiral Jerem's Australian squadron, uh, Craddock's fateful voyage, the Battle of the Falklands, the Battle of Coronel, the Königsberg, and how um, she held down a large amount of Royal Navy resources by uh, whilst hiding in a um, in a river delta, and also uh, one of the first examples of using um, aircraft to spot for ships for artillery. Um, but first of all, uh, let's talk. Um, I'm going to set the scene for the war at sea in 1914 before the uh, fateful shot in uh, Sarajevo. Of course, you have the two sides. You've got the uh, Western Allies, uh, Britain, France, and Russia, um, forming a one power block. And then, you, of course, you've got the central powers of Germany, the Austro-Hungarian Empire, and Italy. At this point, Turkey has no, um, no uh, link to either side, although they are slowly falling out with Britain, with preference to Germany, but... At the moment, they're still dealing with their own internal issues. So the Allies, Allied fleets, were, de uh, were deployed to meet the cent main central power threats. Uh, Britain and France had an agreement that the uh, French would, ma would guard the Mediterranean and the south coast of France, and the Royal Navy would guard the North Sea, England, and the Channel, uh, the vital channel link between the two. The Russian fleet was also divided, by, divided in two, with a force in the Baltic to combat the Germans and, an, and another fleet in um, the Black Sea, which was um, tied in position by Turkey but could, escape, could go through the Bosphorus with, a, with um, in Dardanelles with an agreement. In the Far East, you have um, the British squadrons in um, India, the Australian um, Navy, Royal Australian Navy, and Admiral Jerem in China as well as the Can uh, very small Canadian Navy on one ship on the east coast and one ship on the west coast, both very old, both in need of um, updating. 
but at this point there is uh, the Royal Navy is tasked with policing Canada. For the, for the Central Powers, uh, the main force in, is the German fleet, uh, the Hochsee fleet, Hochsee Flotte, sorry, which is based in the north coast of Germany, within striking distance of, of um, Britain and nor the north of France and, of course, Russia as well. On the opposite side, facing um, the Grand Fleet, based in Scapa Flow. In um, the Mediterranean, you have an Austro-Hungarian force of uh, four dreadnoughts and some a various smattering of different uh, cruisers of varying different age and quality. Uh, the Italian Navy is, has a similar amount of dreadnoughts. Again, and they are backed up as well by the German Mediterranean Squadron, which consists of the battle cruiser Gerben and light cruiser Breslau. Over on um, the Pacific for the Central Powers, we have the uh, one protected, very old cruiser in the form for Austro-Hungary, uh, the Kaiserin Elisabetta, and the, for the Germans you have Admiral von Spee's Ost-Asian uh, Geschwader, consisting of two armoured cruisers, Scharnhorst and Neisnau, and the light cruisers Dresden, no, not Dresden, sorry, Emden, Leipzig, and Nuremberg, as well as the uh, Australian squadron, which consists of, uh, by early 1914, the, um, light, the old gunboat Cormoran, and in East Africa, German East Africa, you also have uh, the light cruiser uh, Königsberg, which had just um, relieved the gunboat Gier, who was making her way across the Pacific to uh, join Cormoran for the defence of the island, the German island bases. So ultimately, for 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 the Allies, these um, small pockets of um, German and or central power forces around the world needed to be sorted out quite quickly as they could prove to be quite a danger to uh, merchant shipping and of course the imperial redistribution plan of um, getting troops from Australia, New Zealand and also um, British troops from India and Africa over to the Western Front to fight the German army proper uh, leaving um, defence of these regions to uh, local troops such as the Indian army etc. One stray um, cruiser uh, could cause a lot of damage to a convoy of um, liners filled with soldiers who couldn't really do much in response. Coupled with this was the German plan to use auxiliary cruisers or um, Hilfen cruisers, which were mainly um, liners and merchant ships that would be using uh, cannibalized guns from either regular German cruiser units or from old gunboats. Gun For example, in uh, Tsingtao, the German province in China, they had four uh, gunboats of the Ilts class, all of which were able to provide um, guns to liners, as a liner um, was fast, much faster and more ocean-going than these, are, these very elderly gunboats, despite their record during the Boxer Rebellion. And um, it, was, it was believed that a liner could, if manned by reservists, which most of their crews were, maybe with a couple of regular German um, naval personnel and officers, uh, could, uh, could be gutted and carry as many stores and as much coal as they humanly could, um, and would only need to fire a couple of shots off at uh, any merchant ship, uh, causing them to surrender. Um, 
this is of course what um, ha happened with the careers of the Kaiser Wilhelm de Grosse and um, the Kron Prince Wilhelm and the Prince Eitel Friedrich, which I will come to in a later episode. We, uh, for, the, for the German Admiralty, the plan was to try and cause as much chaos as possible and had, they had written off uh, the foreign-based cruisers from the very beginning because there was absolutely no way that a light cruiser could get from uh, China to back to the German fleet, or so they believed. Um, and so the idea was if they could cause as much trouble as possible, distract m more units from the Royal Navy bases in Britain to go and fight overseas and hold up British forces that were overseas from joining uh, the Grand Fleet, it meant that operations for the uh, German high seas fleet um, could be more easily could be more easily undertaken. Anything that could tie down British resources, but there is a big problem with cruiser warfare, uh, or cruiser krieg, as the Germans refer to it, as um, the, each warship would depend on needing three things more than anything. Uh, the first thing being coal. I mean, the German Admiralty estimated that a light cruiser could use up seventy-five thousand tons of coal in a month at sea. And so they needed to be able to get coal from somewhere. They also needed to be able to get ammunition from somewhere. They couldn't uh, really use British ammunition if they, managed to, if they somehow managed to capture it. And the chances of being able to um, resupply would be quite low. The German Admiralty were quite aware that the, Royal, the British would try and close down Tsingtao as a base or Dar es Salaam in East, East Africa for, uh, as, a, as a similar base. And there would be no real way for them to resupply the ships from Germany without um, without these without ammunition, which leads to the next problem, which was repair. Should one of these um, vessels get damaged or heavily damaged in any way, they wouldn't be able to put in for repair. They couldn't just turn up at Kiel and have the have the hull realigned and gun, new fresh gun emplacements put in, and even fresh crew. The only but only port that was able to really um, do this would be Tsingtao in China and Dar es Salaam to a certain degree. They could uh, carry out some basic repairs, but nothing, nothing beyond that. Uh, so the Germans had to think seriously about how long this would last. And of course, the war will be over by Christmas, according to both sides, so it shouldn't really be that much of an issue. The same is faced uh, for the Goben and Breslau in the Mediterranean. Uh, their, main, their only real base of operations would be if they were to par bypass uh, um, Admiral Trowbridge's cruiser squadron in the Adriatic and get to the um, Austro-Hungarian bases, uh, Pola and Katara. Uh, but at this point, the uh, Admiral Souchon in charge of the German squadron hadn't really decided what, was, what would be best to do. And... Uh, but I'll be coming to Goben in, uh, in the next, next episode. Um, the idea of Cruiser Krieg isn't something new. It was something that was tried out, uh, had been done before. It is, it is, to put it simply, it's basically piracy, that the uh, ship would roll up. You give, the, you give a warning, be it a shot or a declaration over a megaphone or signals that you, uh, intend, you wish the ship to stop. If they fail to stop, you allow um, you can fire a disabling shot. You allow the crew to de get clear. Then you board or board the ship, take the crew prisoner, uh, take what you want from the vessel, and sink it, and then move on. 
that obviously this has to be done quite quickly. Uh, this had been uh, carried out by the Americans during the War of 1812. Um, the French had uh, practiced it during the 19th century and had plans to do so again. And for the Germans, this seemed to be the best way to maximize the resources they had available. Um, the British were well aware of what the Germans were going to do. They were also aware that the great liner companies um, had been stockpiling coal in various different places and ordering, um, as the political, um, political situation deteriorated, had been ordering uh, the ships to put on as much coal as humanly possible uh, so that it could be made available to uh, the German Navy at sea with the hope that um, colliers stationed around the globe would be able to resupply these ships. And the, the British were aware of these, and there were, and as, you, as I'll go in on another day, I'll be talking about uh, how the, um, the British very quickly tried to round this all up, as well as take out the great uh, wireless network that, was control, that could um, control positioning of German ships and try and get them to cooperate. If they could make that go silent, Obviously, um, it'd be down to the individual captains or admirals to try and figure out the best strategy. Although, in this case, the German Navy did pretty much... Um, Admiralty did say to the uh, commanders on the ground that they had free reign to do what they saw fit and that the Admiralty wouldn't be able to decide what would be best in, in any individual situation and leave it to the captains to decide. Uh, the British were also aware of um, German strengths and weaknesses in uh, the Pacific, the Admiral Jerram had uh, come down to visit, had been on site since 1913, and in July uh, he took his um, flagship, the Minotaur, down to Tsingtao, where the Germans and British crews got on really well. And uh, basically, one German officer said, is, um, to paraphrase, basically the only reason they came down here was to have a good look at our defences, which is more than likely true. They also had the uh, battleship, the pre dreadnought battleship Triumph. Um, mothballed in Hong Kong, ready for to be redeployed should uh, to, to combat the Germans. And also her sister ship, Swiftsure, was um, down towards India in the hope that they could catch uh, Von Spey in a vice. But again, the hunt for Von Spey will be um, another upcoming episode. And I thought just today I'd uh, give a rough outline on the starting positions of both sides before the war started. Of course, when the war does start, Italy declares its neutrality, which makes it, and Austria was a bit slow to, on the uptake. And so on the 4th of August, 1914, we have Britain and France and Russia against Germany at sea. So um, I'm hoping to do these weekly, or try to. I will be updating on Twitter, hopefully, um, as to when and when I'll be uh, releasing these. This isn't just for the lockdown. Uh, so I'll be trying to do this more and more often. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, username is at jerryjerrod14. That's J-E-R-I-J-E-R-O-D-1-4. Or just search Chris Sams and I'm the one with the Austrian flag. Um, don't ask why. <laughs> um, and yeah, I will hopefully be releasing episode two, uh, which will be on... Um, Go, the flight of the Goban and Breslau through the Mediterranean and its effects uh, next week. So until then, um, do try and stay safe and follow government guidelines, etc. But yeah, thanks for listening.